0: You're listening to Radio Sega, and this is the Sega Lounge. Sit back, have a drink, and enjoy the conversation.
1: sexy people welcome to the Sega Lounge I'm KC I'll be your host tonight and we've got a great show for you tonight I hope you enjoyed last week's episode um, you know the the premiere episode of the season season 4 of the Sega Lounge we did things a little bit differently uh, and we'll you know keep on doing new stuff as as the the season progresses so I hope you've been enjoying this new format with a few extra segments short segments And again, let me know if you have any ideas, if you have anything you'd like to contribute to the Sega Lounge, if you have a great idea for a new segment. If you know of a community website, that you'd like us to feature on the Sega Lounge, you know, to interview those guys, to promote those guys, uh, or someone in the community that could contribute with an interesting s- uh, segment for the show, let me know. Send me an email to kc.radiosega.net or drop me a line on Radio Sega's forums, uh, send me a private message there, or on the Discord. You know, just send me a message wherever and we'll try to figure things out together. Yes, so welcome to the show. This is episode number two of season four. We've got a great show for you guys tonight. We've got an interview with uh, our good friend Ken Horowitz from Sega16.com. He's been on the show before, so he's uh, a returning guest. But this time he'll be uh, talking about, or will be talking about, uh, uh, his book called Playing at the Next Level, you know, the story of Sega of America and um, how you can find that book and what you can, you know, uh, the work behind all uh, all the work behind making the book, researching for the book and uh, all the amazing things he talks about in the book. Um, he's got some exciting news as well. To share during the interview, so if you've already read the book um, and you're curious about what his next projects will be, um, you stick around, listen to the interview because he'll be talking about that as well. Uh, We also have the news. We have uh, we always use memories of Sega, and uh, more to the end of the show. We have uh, you know a couple of community news a couple of things to promote talk about and so stick around for that don't forget to join us on discord to discuss what's been happening Radiose.ga forward slash discord or send us a tweet at radio sega during the show uh whatever is the case it's time to welcome our good friend our sweet soul brother shadow with
0: the news
2: desk news desk Hello, and welcome to the Sega News next with the To fly off right onto space this week, a rare Sega Sonic Cosmo Galaxy Fighter game has been dumped. According to Main World, they are celebrating their 20th anniversary of their main later the dump of several arcade games, and one of them was the rare Sega Sonic Cosmo Galaxy Fighter game, from an anonymous donor. The original game was a vertical shooter as it saw Sonic the Hedgehog, and he has to shoot down Dr. Robotnik and his robots in space. <coughs> Continuing on with the news for Sonic, the Amazon listing for Sonic Mini suggests that it's supposed to come out on April 25th, 2017, but it could be also a rumor. But the product page for PC and Nintendo Switch also says it's coming out on May 31st, 2017. <coughs> Continuing on the trail with April 25th, 2017, Although that's not the actual release date for Mania, or it could be, it's the release date for Puyo Puyo Tetris, actually. It's as it finally gets a release date for North America and Europe. It's slated to drop on North America for PlayStation 4 and Switch on April 25th and on April 28th in Europe. <coughs> and finally, There's supposed to be a Virtual Fire tournament as the NWO and VFDC, no matter the cost tournament, is supposed to be run over the weekend on February 16th all the way to February 19th. It's supposed to bring out the best in Virtual Fire as it will feature various entries in the Virtual Fire series, such as Virtual Fire 2. Virtual Fighter 3 Team B, Virtual Fighter 4 Final 2, and Virtual Fighter 5 Final Showdown. They'll also be streamed throughout the weekend, so head on to virtualfighter.com to find out more details. <coughs> and that's it for the news this week. I've been Chatted, and you can follow me on Twitter and on Twitch at DarkwingBT. See you all next time.
1: So that was Shadid with the News Desk, the news of the week. Uh, thank you, Shadid, for that. He'll be back next week with another edition of uh, the News Desk. That being said, it's time to do a quick music break, and when we come back, it's time to welcome Ken Horowitz to the Sega Lounge. Don't forget. This is Radio Sega, we play the best Sega music 24-7, stick around, we've got a great interview, we've got some great segments, it's gonna be fun. To the Sega Lounge on Radio Sega. This week we have a returning show, a returning guest actually to the show. It's been a while, but it's my pleasure to welcome Ken Horowitz to the Sega Lounge. Hello, Ken. Hello. How are you? Yeah, I'm great. Uh, thanks for coming on the show.
3: Thanks for having
1: me. Yeah, always a pleasure. So uh, we were talking before we started recording this, and uh, last time you were on the show was episode nine. August 2014, it's been a while, so, yeah, Yeah, I think it's about time we we, we caught up uh, with with each other and, you know, um, it's time I I had a look at what you've been doing, your projects, your current projects and everything, so you're on the show, we invited you back on the show because of something uh, you did, you wrote a book, a really interesting book called Playing at the Next Level. But uh, for those of uh, of our listeners that aren't familiar with you and your works, would you like to introduce yourself and talk about what you've been doing and how you're connected to Sega and the community?
2: Okay,
3: sure. Uh, My name is Ken Horowitz, and I run the website sega16.com since uh, 2004, which covers the Sega Genesis and its add-ons, the 32X and Sega CD, as well as the Master System and Game Gear. And we do features, reviews, interviews, and cover all kinds of events in the homebrew community. And we're mostly dedicated to uh, researching and documenting the history of these consoles, as opposed to providing regular current news, which there are plenty of websites that do that much better than we could. Mm -hmm. So we focus on uh, documenting the history. And that's uh, basically what served as the catalyst for the book. Okay.
1: Okay. So, um, you you've been adding new stuff to the website uh, in the, the ever since you were on the the show. I think last time you were on the show, you didn't have uh, Master System uh, and Game Gear stuff on the website. Not sure if I'm correct. No.
3: no uh, basically, once we reach a certain point, around seventy five percent of the of a console's a Sega console's library being reviewed, then we uh, expand. We have all the 32X games and the vast majority of Genesis games reviewed. So we added Sega, Master, and Game Gear. And once those reach around 75%, we'll be adding Saturn and then Dreamcast and uh, even arcade games.
1: Oh, cool, cool, cool stuff. Yeah. So something to look forward to, you know, in the future. <laughs> How big is your team right now?
3: Uh, well, we're mostly the only one who's there. Full time as me, uh, but we have lots of part timers and contributors who contributors who uh, submit reviews and features uh, periodically.
1: Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, uh, does that mean that anyone can apply for, you know, to 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 work as a contributor to the website? Or
3: sure, uh, as long as they're uh, reviews for games that haven't yet been reviewed or uh feature ideas that haven't already been done um all the person has to do is contact me and tell me what they want to do and um and i'll get back to them very quickly to let them know whether or not that's something that uh, we can use unless it's something that's already been posted on the website particularly with reviews uh chances are that as long as the writing quality is is decent enough uh it'll be accepted so but we're always welcoming contributions from the community And the community has been very, very good to us over the years. The vast majority of our content, particularly in reviews, comes from contributor submissions. So we're very thankful to have, I'm very thankful to have uh, such a supportive community. Yeah. And
1: you've been doing this for 13 years now. So that's that's amazing. (laughs) That's like 100 in internet years yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's awesome that's um that that proves that you're you've been successful in your in your endeavors so um you've are you are you connected to the, the video games industry um in your in your you know full-time job or are you not connected in any way uh, to the, the the vg industry
3: no no actually no i'm not connected professionally i'm I'm an English professor by trade, teach college English. So uh, this all started, came out of a hobby. Uh, I've always been a Sega fan since I got my master's system in December of 1986. So uh, it's just, I do it out of a love of the topic, Um, but I'm not formally connected to the industry. I've made lots of friends and contacts over the years, but I'm not formally connected. Mm -hmm. Okay.
1: And so, the idea for uh, uh, this book, you know, came along, right? Uh, Playing at the Next Level. So, what is Playing at the Next Level about?
3: Well, Playing at the Next Level focuses on the development, the game development history of Sega of America. Um, There's a book already out that just about everyone knows by Blake Harris called Console Wars Mm -hmm. that talks about the marketing and corporate side of Sega's business uh, during the Genesis years. And my book tells the other part of that story that hasn't hadn't been told yet, which is the actual game side of it, the development side. And it covers Sega of America's game development from when Sega of America was first founded in 1986 and goes all the way up to when it, Sega left the hardware industry with the Dreamcast in 2001. And it covers all the studios, internal studios that Sega of America had, and all the and many of the teams that the, and companies that they worked with to create games for American and Western audiences.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a great book. By the way, it's it's very detailed, and um, uh, you learn a lot about stuff that you probably you know never even heard of so it's it's really a great book i haven't read it uh, you know all but what, what from what i've read it's it's an amazing book so how much thought um did you put into this before starting actual you know actually writing the book and putting together info for the
3: book well over the years doing the website it became clear that there was, we were telling little bits and pieces, shining a little bit of light on these single particular games. But the overall, the overarching story of Sega's game development was still untold. And uh, I figured that that was a story that deserved to be told. Um, So as I began to talk to people and, and look at what certain developers had done in regards to uh, the games they made for the Genesis and for the Sega City and that, I found that there was a, a, a lot of the story that hadn't been told anywhere. So I began to compile all those concepts into an outline and I found that there was, if I had decided to make this, these into articles for the website, there would be around 90 articles. And uh, that would be told article one by one over the course of years. And I figured that it would work better if I told it as one cohesive story in book form, and uh, turned out that I had plenty of material to work with. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. So was was this ever uh, uh, um, you know something you wanted to do when when you started the website, or did just uh, just came along as you as you worked on on Sega16.com?
3: Oh, it came along actually. I, I, at first, I was. I knew from the very beginning that you're looking at a company's history, you know, even if we just start with the Genesis, you're looking at around between seven years or so, seven, eight years of history. That's a lot of information uh, to cover. So I thought that the website would do well, you know, to cover that at least for a couple of years. There was plenty to write about. I would never have to worry about not having anything to write about. But then after a while, um, I figured that I wanted to go into more detail and I wanted to do it in one format instead of coming, writing these articles one by one and then having people, you know, forcing people to have to read them over the course of many months or or even years. So uh, it actually came about after uh, the website. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. So this isn't a simple compilation of articles you already had on, on Sega 16. So this is a, you know, a brand new thing. Um, so many, many things that you you included here were uh, you know, were stuff that you came across during the development of Sega 16. But many of them as well were things that you had to research for uh, to write the book itself. Right.
3: Oh yeah, there are over there are 40 games that are covered in detail, as well as every single one of Sega Studios and the. Uh, the only studio that we had an article on on the website was the SEGA Technical Institute and the chapter on that in the book is greatly Expanded and revised mm-hmm. and there are a couple of games for example, like uh, Joe Montana football and I think uh, Joe Montana football and, and a couple of other games that perhaps have Jurassic Park is another one that were have articles on the website But again for the book they were greatly revised and expanded I, I Spoke to additional people. I went back and spoke to the people I had spoke spoken to for the articles originally And I found new information and added that in and cleaned a lot of things up So what's on the in the book is much much more expansive and up-to-date than the articles that originally went up on the website but it's only about four or five articles really out of uh, forty games. I mean the, the book has in the neighborhood of around 20 chapters and only three or four sections of one or two chapters contains material that was on the website. So it's almost all new material.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's great, you have uh, you know, stuff on Joe Montana football, uh, Toadjam and Earl, uh, the Sonic games, Comic Zone, uh, Jurassic Park, Echo the Dolphin, uh, Vector Man, uh, X-Men 2. I don't know uh, NBA 2K, NFL 2K. So yeah, lots of lots of good material for for people to enjoy. Um, how hard was it to get everything, get all this information, to do research for for this book? How long did it take you to actually get everything together to and start writing?
3: Well, it took me about a month and a half to put together the outline and. And to decide exactly what I wanted to include there were some things I wanted to include that I ended up taking out uh, because they just didn't fit you know they weren't really uh, relevant and there were a couple of things for example there we published it as an article on the website the development of Chakan. that one had to be taken out because of word count and formatting uh, concerns but uh it took about a month and a half to get everything together, and then the book took about thirteen months to write.
1: Okay, so okay. a little over one Good. year. Mm-hmm. Not bad, actually. Not bad <laughs> for the amount of content on on the book. I, I actually thought it would take a little bit more, but yeah, I, I'm guessing your uh, you know professional experience uh, would 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 probably have helped with with you know writing the book, right? Being well, an English yeah, teacher think- and everything.
3: Yeah, I teach college research so and I just recently completed my doctoral dissertation in English so um, the research process is very natural for me and that helped a lot and uh, actually the, dis- the the doctoral work helped the book but what really helped me with the doctoral work was all the research I had done over the years on Sega 16. Um, I learned the formalities of research mm-hmm. during my doctorate but actually being able to find information from multiple sources and synthesize them into one coherent narrative. I learned all that and I refined and honed that through the years of writing articles for Sega 16. So the website actually helped my, my career, which and that experience then helped write the book. So um, it's, it, and to this day still, they, they're both uh, seem to be going hand in hand.
1: Yeah, so it all came full circle.
3: Mm -hmm. yeah awesome
1: Um, so you mentioned the research and uh, you know hard work you had to to do to come up with all the information for for the book Um, did you contact many of the people that are mentioned on the book uh, or in the book like uh, past Sega employees um, people like I don't know um, Al Nielsen or people like that or was it all based off you know previously uh, published articles
3: no I I contacted around 93 or 94 people even people that I had previously spoken to like Al Nielsen and others I contacted them and interviewed them again Mm -hmm. I used the art the previous interviews but I asked additional questions that, wasn't, that weren't available in the interviews that are posted on the website. Mm-hmm. So when I spoke to Tom Kolinsky, when I spoke to Michael Katz, the, the questions that I asked them were completely new. Um, but I also spoke to a lot of people that uh, I didn't speak to, I had never spoken to before. Uh, many people who were involved, for example, the people who made Spider-Man versus the Kingpin, the people who made uh, recreational ba- brainware, um, the people who made X-Men 2, Clone Wars. I'd never spoken to any of those people uh, before, and I interviewed them for, specifically for this book. I also got to speak to every... As, in addition to Michael Katz and Tom Kalinske, I also spoke to Bruce Lowry, who was the first president of Sega of America, as well as Bernie Stolar and uh, Peter Moore. Mm-hmm. So I was very happy to be able to get in contact with them, and they were very cooperative and very helpful.
1: Oh, cool! So I was going to ask how hard it was to get a hold of, of those people, but you know, they were apparently they were co- cooperative, right?
3: Yeah, well, and also all the years of working on the website and all the people I've interviewed, um, so I already had those contacts, many of mm-hmm. them. But the fact that no book had been written on the development side of Sega's history, and a lot of the people I've spoken to were programmers and artists and designers and producers. So they naturally were very, you know, many of them were very happy to have the story told. So they were eager to cooperate, but they also got me, put me in contact with other people that I hadn't yet spoken to.
1: Cool, cool stuff. So was there anything that you learned during the the research process for for the book uh, that actually surprised you? Something that you didn't know about and you know, blew your mind or something? Um. Not wanting to spoil the book for people, by the way if you want to if you want to know more about the book, buy it, please. <laughs>
3: yes, buy <my> ten copies. <laughs> yeah um, well, I t- say overall without spoiling anything, the one thing that I really learned that I hadn't known is or better yet, better said, I'm much, much, much more appreciative now of just how much work blood, sweat, tears and effort, goes into the creation of these games. I mean, many of these games, we know that it's a, okay, they took a certain amount of months to develop it, but you don't know exactly what was involved. And after doing the book and speaking to all these people, it's it, it amazing, the level of dedication and the level of sacrifice, I mean, in terms of, of relationships, in terms of finances, in terms of personal health, that many of these people gave to, to finish these products. And I'm a lot more appreciative. Even games that, that for years, you know, people look down on them and say, oh, that game's no good, or that game's not very good, or I didn't like that one so much. Now I can look at a lot of those games and I have a greater appreciation for them. And the games that I really loved, that I covered in the book, I'm, I feel that much, you know, I, I, I like them more. Because now I know exactly what it took to make them. And that was something that you don't really get just by reading a review or by uh, speaking to a single person. When, you know, I spoke to at least three people for every game. In some cases, mm-hmm. I spoke to five or six different members of the development team. And to see the, the level of respect that they have, even today, is, uh, you know, it, it, it's remarkable yeah
1: yeah makes sense, yeah i, I was watching the the Sonic Hedgehog stream on Twitch the other day, and uh, Hoshino's san um, talked about working on a Sonic CD and said that he uh, th- they were on, on, stayed at the office uh, from Monday to Friday, so at midnight, I think every day they would go out to eat some some ramen, then they would come back and keep working on the game. And they would go home uh, on weekends. So that kind of dedication, uh, you no longer see in in the video game industry, especially for AAA titles and everything. You know, so it's it's that's it's,
3: one thing that yeah yeah that, that's one thing that, that that I I I like I like I like the fact that I was able to, to explain that in the book because we hear a lot about how the Japanese developers would sleep under their desks and work. 24 hours a day and things like that, Mm -hmm. but we never really heard about the work ethic of the American and Western. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was very, very happy to be able to explain that and and, and shed some light on that. And, you know, the American and British and European developers were very, very hard working and sacrificed a lot to get their products out. And that was something that, that we don't really hear about. So I was very happy to be able to share that.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's only fair that they get uh you know the appreciation they deserve as well for their hard work and for everything they've done for for the industry as well because you know these guys were uh, you know the pioneers not 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 exactly because there were games before them but uh, these games marked an entire generation uh defined what video games are today and so you know uh, it's it's good that we can actually take some time to appreciate their hard work and all the the effort they put into making these games, good or bad, <laughs> you know. So good or bad, it even a bad game takes time to to make and to develop and everything. So
3: yeah, it's always interesting to find out why the game turned out the way it did. Mm-hmm. You know, we we, we for example, if there the section on Star Wars arcade for thirty two X. There, there are lots of varying opinions about that game, the quality, you know, and, and a lot of people say, well, it was rushed for the 32X's launch. But then when you actually go and see how, you know, learn how it was made and, and the fact that they didn't even have the complete development kits, you know, the hardware wasn't even finalized when they were working on it. When you say, the, you see what they did with what they had to work with and in the short amount of time they had to work, you know it it's very it's it gives you a whole new perspective about their talents and about just how dedicated they were
1: mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's yeah. interesting that's interesting um by the way one 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 question one quick question about the cover of the book by the way so was there any reason or is there any reason behind uh the choice of uh, of games that got featured on on the cover of the book so we have no so- No. Okay. No, I I didn't have anything
3: (laughs) to do with them. I'm. I guess they chose them based on uh, the content. You know, based on what they thought would be the most interesting. The only one that I really don't uh, think should be there is columns, because uh, I don't really I don't discuss columns. Joe Montana, I think, is a game that deserves to be there. The story behind uh, about Moonwalker, I thought, was fascinating. Um, M1 Abrams BattleTech is personally one of my favorite Genesis game. It doesn't get a lot of love, and it should. And the story about how that one was made, was I found to be really, really interesting when I was working on it. But columns, uh, I don't really cover columns in the book. Well, not in this book. It, it'll be covered in detail in my next book, but not in this book. Ooh. Interesting.
1: Okay, so no reason behind <laughs> this. Okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Uh, something that, that I found really interesting as well is... Um, you you there's a, a, a timeline a sega history timeline which is very re- very useful you know um and helps you understand uh what happened and uh, you know how how things uh progressed in sega of america and um i i think some people will be you know will get upset when they they look at the bottom right of the timeline and see April two thousand, Peter Moore becomes president of Sega of America. Uh, he's not very popular. Um, what were your impressions, by the way, when when talking to the guy? And uh, what are his his thoughts of his time at Sega?
3: Um, when I spoke to him, he was very nice, very very gracious, very cooperative, and very sincere. And I was I got. Um, uh, like I've said, I, speaking to these people gives you a whole new perspective on them. And I got a deeper understanding of the kind of position he was in. A lot of people credit, or unfortunately, Peter Moore as being the man who discontinued the Dreamcast. Mm-hmm. And because he made the announcement. But that's really all he did.
1: Yeah, exactly. Uh, as
3: president <laughs> of a subsidiary of Sega, he had no authority to tell his Japanese bosses what they should do with hardware. He made recommendations and he made suggestions based on sales data and other things, but he had no authority to tell Sega of Japan, we're leaving the hardware business. That was a decision that was Japanese based. And that was a decision that had been brewing within Sega of Japan since 1996. I mean, if you go back and look at Sega's own annual report from 2000, The Japanese executives in that report are talking about focusing on other hardware. They didn't make the announcement, you know, until they made the announcement that they were leaving hardware in January of 2001. And the annual report in 2000, a year earlier, already talks about them focusing on platforms beyond the Genesis, the the Dreamcast, very clearly. Mm -hmm. And there were people within Sega of Japan who were talking about leaving hardware after the Genesis, you know, it was discontinued or was was winding down. So um, Peter Moore didn't become president of Sega and say, hey, you know, we're leaving. He had to make the announcement because he was the face of Sega in the West. Yeah, And that's in, in, in a persona that he carried over when he went to Microsoft and that he carries oh, and now with EA. So um, I think he gets a lot of unfair flack for uh, the position for for his time there. But he was also at Sega at a very difficult time. Same thing with oh, Bernie Stoller. Oh, for sure, Stuller. yeah. A lot of yeah. mistakes that Bernie Stroller made, yes, just like every other president did. But he also did a lot of good things. And there were a lot of events and, thing, and, and situations that occurred while he was president that within the context of what was going on within Sega at the time, um, there really wasn't much more he could do or there really wasn't uh he didn't have a lot of room um and i think that's something that if you look at what has happened to sega since that period it it shows just how limited in many regards its western leadership was because sega was is a japanese company and its subsidiaries respond to the japanese parent
0: as so, they should <laughs>
3: Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, so hmm. um, I think that there, you know, I think he did a lot of good. I think uh, Peter Moore did, there was really nothing more that could have been done hmm. with the Dreamcast. I think they were literally giving it away if you purchased a subscription to SegaNet. There's nothing more you could have done, you know, with the console. And when you consider that initially they wanted, Sega of Japan wanted to sell the Dreamcast exclusively online, not in retail, in stores back in 1999 that was you know insanity so it's not like today that you can just click on Amazon and buy it but in 1999 I mean who was buying things what product what video game console would have sold only through online channels so um, there was you know the, the all through the Dreamcast lifespan there was always this ambiguous commitment by Japan of we're going to support it, we're not going to support it, we're going to stay with it, we're going to leave it. And even in the annual report, you look at how they talk about they're committed to the Dreamcast at the same time they talk about leaving it and going to other consoles. So there isn't really all that much that you can do, you know, when you're in that situation. And I I I have a lot more appreciation for his efforts and especially Bernie Stolar's efforts um, having done the research and Mm -hmm. uh, looked at not just speaking to them, because one could say, yes, they're going to say whatever it, they have to say to make themselves look good. But you speak to them independently. You speak to other people who work with them. I spoke to other people who work with both men. And you look at the, the press releases and the interviews with other members of Sega people at the time. And a lot of it bears, you know, pans out. A lot of it, uh, it fits. It's not, there's nothing really jarring there with what they said and what they did based on, you know, when you look at the overall uh Situation,
1: yeah. I think they yeah. did the best they could. Yeah, and you, you have to remember, this is—it's a business, right? So, obviously, yeah. we're fans of the company, we're fans of the games, and everything, and the consoles. Uh, we like Dreamcast and the other consoles, but you know, they're running a business here, so they're not in—not in it for the for just the, the fun of it. They're in it to make some money, and so if sometimes you have to make difficult decisions in order to save money and to get back on it. So, yeah, just gotta, gotta, gotta remember that. So, Ken, uh, we've been talking for a while. I think it's time we take a quick break. We're we're going to play um, one of your requests and then we'll have memories of Sega, uh, one of our uh, segments on the Sega Lounge and we'll be right back with a surprise for you, which I don't know (laughs) if you remember from last time, but... (laughs) We still have surprises for our guests. So uh, keep it here. This is the Sega Lounge on Radio Sega. We'll be right back with Ken.
0: The 90s to the present take a trip back in time with a winner was you as he looks back at the sega games that defined his life memories of sega This week we'll be looking at Soleil, an action RPG released for the Mega Drive in 1994. This is one of those games that has a different title in each major region. In Japan it's known as Wagner Kenti, while in America it goes under the name Crusader of Kenti. Whatever name it goes by, the game is the same, pretty much Sega's answer to The Legend of Zelda, but with enough unique features to set it apart from Nintendo's franchise. And while it isn't as good overall, it's a bloody good effort nonetheless. I believe my first memory of this game was in an issue of Sega's own magazine, where they did a short news piece on the game along with a single screenshot. I'd very briefly played A Link to the Past on Super Nintendo shortly beforehand and really liked what I saw. So I thought a similar game on the Mega Drive was one that appealed to me a lot. Over time, I'd see a little bit more about the game, including its name-changer, Soleil in Europe, which I honestly didn't like, mainly because I didn't know how to pronounce it. Coincidentally, it wouldn't be until 2011 when I finally learned how to pronounce that name. Better late than never, eh? In any case, it was always a game I had an interest in, and I finally got the chance to play it, I'd say around my birthday in 1996? can't remember the exact year. Either way, I had some birthday cash to spend, so when I saw a copy of a game at my local electronics boutique at a price I could afford, it was a no-brainer. The story sees you given the task of ridding your world of the monsters that are causing mayhem everywhere. Initially, there doesn't seem to be much more to the story than that, but as you progress the game throws a rather neat twist which I quite liked. But I won't spoil it for you. It comes in around the halfway mark, and then goes practically unmentioned until near the end where it really starts to kick in. As for the actual gameplay, it is quite like Zelda, even down to cutting grass for money and health. You even have a charge attack, although here you throw your sword instead of spinning it around. But what really sets the apart are your animal companions. Early on, our hero gains the ability to talk to animals, though it initially comes at the price of losing human speech. On the plus side, this ability means you can recruit a selection of animals to help you on your journey, each with their own abilities. Uh, these can be selected from the status screen, and you can have a maximum of two helping you at any given time. Among the abilities the animals can give you are increased speed, elemental attacks, and even one that lets you move your sword around mid-flight. And yes, there are many areas and secrets which you can only get to once you have a rice animal for a job. Sadly, the game is a little easy, nor is it as long as its Zelda games. The bosses are fun, barring a final boss which is a little underwhelming, but they're not that tough either. The game is a little bit more linear as well, especially towards the end, but it certainly looks good with colourful scenery and nice big chunky sprites. The soundtrack is especially good. It's one where I had a few tunes that really stuck out to me uh, when I played it in my youth, but when I properly think back to the music, I realise just how good the rest of it is as well. Believe me, choosing a music for this particular segment was a very tough one as there were so many good tracks in there. Soleil is a little more basic than the Zelda series, but it still comes recommended. It's very addictive, you'll want to keep going just to see what upgrades you get next. The Animal Companions are a great way to break up a formula. It looks good, sounds wonderful and has some fun puzzles to boot. Sonic even makes a cameo appearance. There aren't many action RPGs available for Mega Drive and Soleil definitely uh, scratches that itch very well. Memories of Sega
1: Welcome back to the Sega Lounge on Radio Sega. So we're here with Ken Horowitz. Welcome back, Ken. Happy to be here. <laughs> so so Ken, we've been talking about your book, Playing at the Next Level. Uh before we, we get on with, with the interview, ask you a couple more questions. Uh remember last time we were on the show, we had something called the Sega Lounge Challenge. And so Oh yes. Yes. yeah. Yes. And so last time I think it was a little bit too easy for you, you know? So I think we have a little something, we had to do something different this time. And last time we were on the show, I, I, I listened to the, the, the episode uh, before we started recording and we didn't have uh, the amazing SEGA Lounge Challenge intro yet. And so to get you in the mood for the SEGA Lounge Challenge, let's play the SEGA Lounge Challenge intro.
0: Now, you know our guests. They're amazing. They're stars. But are they ready for the Sega Lounge Challenge? It can be a quiz in reverse music. It can be anything we want. Welcome to your doom. I mean, welcome to the Sega Lounge Challenge.
1: So, the Sega Lounge Challenge. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> pretty exciting stuff right uh, <laughs> and so as the man said it can be anything we want okay uh, this time i thought you know let's keep it in the genesis realm of things but let's do something a little bit differently different uh so we have 10 uh challenges for you okay uh it can be a question or a a, a Sega track in reverse from a Genesis game. And the questions are related to the Genesis or Genesis games, okay? So what I'm gonna ask you to do, I'm not gonna tell you which ones are uh, tracks in reverse, which ones are questions for you to answer, but I'm going to ask you to pick a number from one to 10 and let's see if you can get, I don't know, maybe five correctly. I think that's fair. Okay. Uh, so yeah, pick a number. Um,
3: let's go with lucky number seven.
1: Number seven. So we have a question, multiple choice. Okay. Easy one, I think. What kind of robot is Vectorman? Man? Option A, an Orbot. Option C, a Cubot. Option Option B, C, Option B, a Cubot. Option C, a Trashbot. So, an orbot, a cubot, or a trash bot.
3: Vectorman. Vectorman. Hmm. we are thinking about function. Or I would say that Vectorman would have to be an orbot.
1: So option A then. Is that your final answer?
3: Yeah, because he was he was working with garbage, but he was an orbob, I'm thinking because reference to the spherical form that he has.
1: Mm -hmm. Indeed, well done, well done. That is correct. That is correct. Okay, Uh, so pick another one, one to ten.
3: How about number two?
1: let's see number two number two is is an in reverse track okay so let's see if you guess so I, I only need the the name of the game so don't worry about the track itself but you know extra extra bragging points if you if you get the, the track or the stage name whatever okay so take a listen to a second track a Genesis track in reverse <laughs>
3: From Ristar. Hmm. Sounds like it's
1: from Ristar. Ristar. Hmm. Could be. Could be. Want me to play it again or? Yes. Yeah. Play yeah. one more time. Okay. One more time. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna go with restart. Restart. Ah, it is correct. Yes, it is correct. Well done. Well done. Restart. That was dancing leaves, stage one two. Awesome. Uh, yeah. So we we had seven two. Pick another one, please.
3: Um, how about? Um, let's go with a midpoint there,
1: uh, five. Five, well done, it's another in reverse track. So, let's see if you get this one. Three, two, one, let's play it. That's actually kinda nice. Uh, (laughs) so... (laughs) Could you play it again? Sure thing. Let's play it again then. again. I actually
3: like that. Uh, yeah, exactly. If that's reversed, it doesn't sound so bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um. Well, gee, that one's kind of a I'm drawing a blank in that one. <laughs> hmm.
1: Hmm. What kind that of game really does like. it sound like?
3: It sounds like it would be a platformer. Okay. It doesn't sound like a. It doesn't have the the tone of like an action game, like Golden Axe or a shooter game. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it would be a platformer. Um. Uh, I have actually no idea. I'm gonna, I don't know, <laughs> Sonic, Sonic 3. <laughs> Is that your final answer? Yeah, yeah, I, I don't have an idea. Go
1: so close. But no, Sonic 2, actually. It was Sky oh. Chase Zone. <laughs> Sky Chase Zone from Sonic 2. <laughs> but so close. <laughs> so close.
3: I don't yeah. Yeah,
1: I, I think this sounded like a, a sonic a sonic tune, yeah. But uh not not that easy, not that easy. Okay, so uh pick another one please. We've had two, uh, five, and seven.
3: How about nine?
1: Oh, you're on fire. It's time for another <laughs> reverse oh. track. <laughs> well done. So <laughs> let's go with this one.
3: That's Streets of Rage.
1: Hmm.
3: I believe that's, that's Streets of Rage. It sounds like it's the, the stage three, I think it is, the beach.
1: Should I play it again, or...?
3: Yeah, play it one more time. Yeah,
1: let's... let's One more time. <laughs>
3: Yeah, that's
1: Streets of Rage. I think that's stage three. Mm-hmm. Could be, could be, but is it really? It is. Well done. So this is M- Moon Beach, Moon Beach. Yeah, from Streets of Rage. Well done. So three correct answers so far. Um, want to pick another one?
3: Um, how about number one? Number one. Okay,
1: not an in-reverse track, it's a question.
2: <laughs> so,
1: which of the following is not a playable character in the 16-bit game Brutal Pause of Fury? Option A, Kung Fu Bunny. Option B, Alice Elephant. Option C, Ray Rat. Oh, just those three? Yeah, so which of these three is not a playable character? Kung Fu Bunny, Alice Elephant, and Ray Rat. Oh, that's easy
3: B. Alice Elephant.
1: Seriously? Yeah? Yeah. You think so? Yeah? What, Alice Elephant? Best, funny best name the ever? Like
3: <laughs> on the cover, I think. Yeah. But, uh, I don't remember an elephant. I yeah, I was like, yeah. Oh. yeah.
1: You're correct, you're correct, yeah. This one I made up. Ah, oh, <laughs> shoot. <laughs> Great, so four correct answers so far. Only one more left. Uh, Maybe it's the next one. Which one do you like now? So we ha- we've had one, two, five, seven, and nine. Uh, eight. Eight, 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 eight is another question. I think this is an easy one. What are the names of the protagonists of... The Gadget Twins. Option A. Bang and Buck. Option B. Bop and Bam. Option C. Bop and Bump. Hmm. Bang and Buck. Bop and Bam. Bop and Bump. <laughs> <laughs> um, the name of the Gadget yes. So they are planes.
3: Yeah, that was that's a shooter game. Planes. Can you see the options again?
1: So, So, bang and buck, bop and bam, bop and bump.
3: I think it's C, bop and bump. I seem to remember bump. Bump stands out to me. Bop and yeah, bump.
1: And you're correct. (laughs) Well done! Oh, I yes, remember that. <laughs> <laughs> well done. So you you got five correct answers, which means you get the Sega Lounge seal of approval, the official Sega Lounge seal of approval, which uh, yeah, which is you know, uh, which I'm going to send to you right now, which is uh, this here. Uh, so enjoy. Uh, <laughs> Uh, our seal of approval. <laughs> our freakish seal yeah. with two <laughs> thumbs up. Uh, very good, very good. Well done, well done. <laughs> so, Ken, this was the second launch challenge. Thanks for taking part. You're a good sport. Sure. Uh, and again, you proved that you, you're uh, the best. You're, you're a real Mega Drive or Genesis connoisseur, so, you know, there's no fooling you. Uh, so, yeah, before before we go, just a couple more questions about about uh, playing at the next level. So, you said you were planning or are planning right now um, on writing a new game, a new book, right? Um, mm-hmm. What will you focus on this time and what are your current plans for, for the book?
3: Well, um, actually, I've been working on this book since about October already and this book... Uh, it's similar in format to playing at the next level, but it covers Sega's arcade history. Mm. And and this book will cover um, in detail, the development history of around 60 games, as well as hardware like the Megatech system and the Sega R360. Mm -hmm. And I've been interviewing and uh, speaking to people involved with uh, Sega's arcade history, I have uh, a lot of stories that have not been told, like the development history of games like Shinobi, uh, games like Frogger, which even though Sega was made by Konami, Sega released in the United States. That story has never been told. Mm-hmm. Uh, games like Columns will be in the book, okay. and others. So, uh, and that's going to cover Sega's game uh, arcade history from 1968, Periscope was the first game, all the way up to about 2010 so there's a lot of uh a lot of information on uh, a lot of information on the japanese side a lot of information on the american side uh especially during the sega gremlin period and as well as uh some european information as well so uh, i'm really excited about that i hope to have that finished by june
1: you're you're uh you know uh, ambitious because it's it's not an easy <laughs> endeavor <laughs> And especially when you compare it to the the first one, you just focus on Sega of America, and then and now you're planning on getting uh, uh, you know a, a much harder to research for book. I'd say done uh, by June. So yeah, this one, awesome.
3: This one's been a little bit more difficult because much of the research material is in Japanese.
1: Yeah, I bet. <laughs>
3: uh, I have a uh, a person who's helping me with the translations and. and... Very, very, uh, very professional, highly qualified person mm-hmm. that I'm going to expl- explicitly acknowledge in the book because his contribution has made the book. Uh, his name's Andresh, and he has been absolutely wonderful in um, helping me translate these articles and interviews from Japanese. Finding, first of all, finding information on, for example, uh, Pengo. Or, yeah. <laughs> You know, uh, games like uh, Monaco GP, finding information on how they were made is very, very difficult. And because a lot of games early back then, early from that era, early back then, weren't, um, the development teams weren't recognized. And so when you do find out, you know, if there is, or if there is any information, a lot of it's in Japanese. So being able to pick up these old interviews and articles and then have to translate them to English, uh, has been a very slow process, but Andres has been absolutely wonderful yeah. in helping me. And cool. he's been key in many, many chapters in the book thus far, so. But I uh, this book has a lot, we'll have a lot that haven't been told. And even some games like Golden Axe and Wonder Boy and Outrun, which the articles have been published. But there's information from many different sources that you would have to read, like for example, Outrun, you would have to read, I think six different sources to get all the information that will be in the section in my book, so and it'll all be all these games will be in chronological order, just mm-hmm. like uh, playing at the next level, mm-hmm. and they're all in one handy volume. So uh, a lot of Sega books have been published, but like my interest, I think my my niche is the is the research behind the design, you know, behind the development, behind the scenes development of these games, and uh, this book will be, I think, a good complement to anyone who. Playing at the next level, which I hope is everybody. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> and so as a nice segue to that f- f- comment there, how can people those you know few like one or two people who haven't got uh, haven't bought playing at the next level yet? How can they find it? Where can they find it? Um, you, you know,
3: buy it directly off Amazon. Okay, um, it's it's available on Amazon. It's available on BarnesandNobles.com. It's available on Walmart. Uh, dot com even Or you could buy it directly from the publisher, uh, McFarland Publishing. But on, on Amazon, I do believe it's a little bit cheaper and there's also there are also digital versions available. So you can either go with a print copy or the digital version.
1: Awesome. For Kindle awesome. and other e readers. Yeah, yeah. I was going to mention that as well. Yeah, so you can buy the, the digital version. Um, when are we getting an audiobook?
3: <laughs> oh, I would love to do an audiobook. <laughs>
1: Yeah, that would be interesting. I because I actually I found out the other day that many people actually uh, prefer audiobooks these days because they can you know listen to the books while they're commuting to work and stuff like that. So yeah, I I actually I, I thought there was no market for audiobooks. It was just was a novelty a few years ago, and it, it had died since then, but I found out that many people actually still buy audiobooks, so maybe that would be interesting. So, maybe, maybe, you can get, a... maybe you can get Morgan Freeman to, to read the book. Maybe <laughs> <for you. laughs>
3: if you were Patrick Stewart or somebody like that. Somebody oh. with a more commending voice than...
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Make it so... <laughs> okay I
3: mean it would be wonderful to see the book to hear the book read by Sir Patrick Stewart I would I would buy another copy
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah you would buy another copy yeah awesome I'd just like to
3: hear him do the Sega screen I'd pay money for (laughs)
1: that oh yeah so that's a promise then okay Uh, (laughs) okay so Ken thank you so much for coming on the show how can people find you online by the way oh
3: they can go to www.sega-16.com, which is our website, or you can just Google Sega 16, and we're probably the first or second uh, website to come up. You can also find us on Facebook or Twitter at Sega16. Uh, please follow us. Please like us. Please like us. Please like us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and um, every time... Uh, and if you follow us on Twitter or like us on Facebook, that uh, help you keep on the website, because every time I update the website i also send out a facebook post and tweet of the new article so you'll that way you'll be able to know exactly whenever new content is published
1: yep cool stuff stuff. so go buy the the book if you haven't done so already go follow sega 16 on facebook twitter check out the website um and you know throw your money at ken so he can you know keep making books (laughs) about sega's history Uh, this game I I actually you know I think this is a great book thank you so much for coming on the show to talk about it Uh, really looking forward to to the next one and I know there are a few of our listeners that will really enjoy the next one because they are really big 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 uh, Sega arcade fans so that will definitely be an interesting read Ken thank you so much again Uh, all the best for playing at the next level and the next book as well and all the best for Sega 16 And uh, I'll see you next time on on the Sega Lounge when the next book is out. So you can come back and talk about it and uh, promote it a bit more, okay?
3: Sure, my pleasure.
1: Awesome. And so uh, keep listening to us. We'll be right back with more of the Sega Lounge. Uh, But for now, quick music break.
0: Different guests, Sega music, news, and whatever else we can think of. The Sega Lounge, only on Radio Sega.
1: Welcome back to The Sega Lounge. This is our final segment of the show, After Hours. I hope you enjoyed that interview we had with Ken Horowitz, uh, talking about his book, Playing at the Next Level. Uh, really fun Guy and really nice to you know get to know more about his work and his future projects. So it's almost time to go. This was a, a shorter episode of the Sega Lounge this week. Uh, however, I don't want to go before talking about two bits of news that I think are important to share with you guys, Sega fans. So, so first up, we have friends of Radio Sega, Read Only Memories, who just uh, put out put up a new uh, campaign new Kickstarter campaign for uh, a new edition of the Sega Mega Drive Collected Works the Collected Works a, an amazing book that I own. I backed the first uh, Kickstarter. It's an amazing high quality book and something every Mega Drive fan and every Sega fan should own. So if you don't have a copy of the book yet and if you want to support uh, this new Kickstarter project please uh, feel free to do it we'll share a link to the project uh, in the podcast notes. However if you're listening to us on radio sega live right now and if you're curious just uh, you know search for kickstarter sega mega drive collected works and you'll you're bound to find find it and please uh, pledge uh, please do your best to support this project new stuff new rewards included in this new uh, kickstarter project uh, we have a luxury tote bag a luxury mega drive tote bag which looks actually looks awesome uh and not you know not your uh usual promotional tote bag, but you know with made of thick durable black dyed canvas and screen printed with the iconic collected works cover illustrations so you know the, the face of the mega drive with the 16-bit logo on it. Uh, Really nice, really nice tote pack. So one of the new rewards. And also um, a Mega Drive bookmark. Mega Drive bookmark. Uh, Cut from heavyweight Italian Fedrigoni sock and stamped with the Japanese Mega Drive logo in matte black foil. So uh, cool new rewards and, you know, uh, much more that you can look for if you uh, get back to project and if you go look for the kickstarter project for sega mega drive the collected works or sega genesis collected works that being said you don't forget to back and big shout out to our friends uh, at read only memories especially darren wall who's behind this amazing project really nice book again can't say this enough it's a really amazing book high quality and Every Sega fan, every mega drive fan should own this book at the time i'm recording this uh they got they had eighteen thousand nine hundred and twenty seven pounds pledged of the of their thirty five thousand goal with uh twenty three days to go so halfway through uh you know more or less so about you know fifty something percent um, which is which is good which is good but it could people can do better so if you haven't backed it yet please get on it support this amazing project second thing i'd like to mention is another kickstarter project this time for mutant football league okay so what is mutant football league so in 2013 michael mendheim creator of the genesis or mega drive classic mutant league football uh you went to kickstarter to try and find and get the funding for a new game based on or based around mutant league football but called mutant football league for you know copyright reasons and such so yeah however that initial uh, kickstarter project wasn't successful However, Michael's back and here with his team uh, for another try at Mutant Football League. This time, you know, asking for uh, less money, so the project is actually already backed, fully funded. Uh, they were asking for sixty thousand dollars, and they've already uh, got seventy-five thousand four hundred seventy-three. As of now, with 25 days to go. And so, if you're curious about this, if you enjoyed playing the Mega Drive Classic Mutant League Football, and if you're curious about having uh, a next gen or a current gen edition of this classic game, you know, this is one pro- Kickstarter project you should check out. So, we'll include the link to uh, the project uh, on the podcast notes as well. And hopefully, next month we'll have some news. on on this project and maybe, you know, maybe someone will come on the the Sega Lounge to to talk about it. Who knows? Who knows? But not until next month. Until then, uh, you can find the project by going to the Kickstarter page, kickstarter.com, find Mutant Football League, the most recent one, uh, already fully funded. However, there are a few stretch goals that the team uh, is creating and so, if you're interested, Backed project, you know. Uh, keep yourself informed about it. Keep your eyes on on the page, and you know, cool stuff will happen. So those were the two notes we wanted to end the show with. Um, please, you know, check out these these Sega related projects. Next week, next week the Sega Lounge will be back, and this uh, is one of the most exciting interviews we've we've done. We'll uh, be talking to OC Remixes. David Lloyd aka DG Pretzel and uh, Larry OG aka Lion Tamer. So, those will be next week's guests as our usual tie in with MegaVision's issue number two that being said don't forget to download issue number two of the Visions magazine which is now out it's out now so please people get on it there's a sneak peek at next week's interview with dj pretzel and lion tamer uh done by myself and i need fruit and you know the usual uh, sega and atlas goodness by the team of megavision so that's something Awesome that you can also check out. Uh, and until next week, you know, when we're back and have more Sega news, more music, and more exciting stuff on the Sega Lounge. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you keep enjoying Radio Sega. Don't forget to check out the rest of our live shows. Uh, go to radiose.ga/shows for the full schedule. Next up, we have Sega Mixer Drive tomorrow, Friday at 9 p.m. GMT. So check that out and. We'll be back next week, 8 p.m. GMT on Thursday with DJ Pretzel and Lion Tamer of OCRivics and more right here on The Sega Lounge, airing every week on Radio Sega. Bye-bye!